Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Eric Kane, Brent Hubbs, Austin Price here on the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. This is presented, as always, by Exterior Home Solutions. If you need roofing, siding, windows, or a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local and trusted since 1999, and you can win a free roof from our friends Exterior Home Solutions. Just nominate a deserving family at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com slash makeover. That ends October the 1st, so nominate a family with Exterior Home Solutions at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com slash makeover to win a free roof courtesy of our friends Exterior Home Solutions. And of course, always give them a call for a free estimate at 865-524-5888. 88. Got a whole lot of questions to get into as we roll on here on Game Week. A lot of our Game Week coverage already out there. We got plenty more to come. We will start with JC624. When Cooper Mays gets back, does Ollie Lane slide over to left guard, or does Tennessee keep someone like Andre Kirik in the starting role, assuming things go okay, Brent? I think it depends on how Kirik plays. Um, you know, that was an open competition at left guard that changed dramatically when Cooper Mays went out because it took Ollie Lane out, who I think was going to be the starter uh, at left guard for week one. And it was going to be about how Ollie Lane played and how other people played in the rotation. So um, to answer that question, I don't think it's just an automatic slide over Austin. I think it depends on how, you know, Kurt plays, how Ollie Lane plays um, and what they look like on the practice field when Ollie Lane slides back to, to left guard assuming he slides back to left guard when Cooper Mays comes back. Yeah, 100%. I think it all it's time and place and you know, you know, will it be the time, you know, to move Andre Carrick away from being the left guard if he's playing well? I, I don't think they will. I think they would probably stick with the hot hand and then if Andre struggles in a the game then give Ali a look, but again, I think all that's subject just to how the team is playing, how the offensive line pl- is playing and how individually whoever the left guard is at that time is playing. And, and, you know, Eric, it feels – sorry, also, Eric, it feels a little bit like this first two weeks is a little bit of a – I don't want to say a tryout, but, I mean, it is it is very much put your resume on tape, to borrow an old Butch Jones line. I don't mean to do that, but, I mean, it's it, it really is. I mean, we're going to see multiple guys rotate at right tackle, we think, multiple guys rotating at, at left guard. What do you do over the next two weeks? We'll, we'll dictate a lot about what this offensive line looks like as they head to Florida, provided Cooper Mays is back. You're not Butch Jones unless you call it an organizational chart instead of a depth chart. He did that on Monday this past week again. Uh, but I, I agree with you. It's kind of like the same thing that's been going on in camp, right? It's it's can somebody run away with a job? Nobody's run away with a job, but sometimes you truly need to have those lights on. Not this Saturday. It's going to be a noon game. But to, to be in front of the crowd in, in a game-like setting to truly kind of take that job and run with it. But – you know, Tennessee played two left guard, two left tackles all last year. 
I don't think they want to play three left guards all year long, but but maybe the first mm-hmm. second week is kind of a, a a trial period to see you know who who kind of jumps out there and, and takes that position by the horns. Uh, Nashville T- TN says. Any update on Deuce Knight and George McIntyre? Are we talking Nico level NIL deal for the 2025 quarterback? I don't know. Um, as far as you know, G Mac and George, uh, I've said you know it. You know, um, for me, it, it's George McIntyre. Um, hype will be at his game coming up on Friday, and uh, you know, it's not to say Deuce is you know, you know somebody Tennessee's not still recruiting hard because they are, but at the same time, um, you know, it just feels like you know the attention you know has you know you know, a turn to, to George McIntyre and, and we'll see kind of where this thing goes. But, uh, you know, it f- feels like Deuce is going to come off the board sooner rather than later. Um, Notre Dame feels fairly confident. Auburn feels fairly confident. We'll kind of see where uh, his recruitment goes. Um, and then George, uh, I think, you know, sometime as soon as his uh, junior year wraps up, you can start, you know, watching him um, getting closer and closer. We'll go to Volume Shooter. Love the name, by the way. A win's a win, but what score while winning would make Josh Heupel and company walk away feeling unsettled? Typically, how how many do you need to win by this Saturday, Brent Hubs? I, I don't know that it's a number. I think it's how you win. It's it's how clean do you play? Are are you full of pre-snap penalties? You know, uh, are you scoring on something fluky? You know, it, it's how you play more so than the score. It's kind of like what Austin has talked about with the, with the edge rushers, right? We're talking about, um, you know, James Pierce, where's he's at? Look at the sacks he had last year. Yeah, they were hollow because it was at the end of the game. It didn't matter. The score can be hollow AP, right? Depending on how you play in the game. If they turn it over, lay it, give it to you gifts at the, at the goal line, a couple times going in, you know, do you, do you, you kind of just play eh. I mean, it's to me, it's about how you play, not what the actual number looks like. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't think, you know, win by 30 or, or win by three, I don't think you're going to know for sure what this team is for another month. I mean, you look at last year, I mean, you know, Tennessee barely beat a team with a third string quarterback, at, you know, um, in, in, in Pittsburgh. Then, you know, they, you know, they hung on to beat Florida. Now, granted, I know that thing was double digits and Tennessee kind of, set on the ball and almost come back to bite them. But I mean, that's a Florida team that, you know, was, was barely 500. And then, you know, who saw that team two weeks later pounding an LSU team that went to Atlanta, beating Alabama at home. So like, no matter what happens Saturday, as long as you win, that's what matters. Um, You know, ultimately you'd love to win by 30 and not three, but I don't think you can judge, judge the team off of Saturday's performance either way, because you just last year is a litmus test for that. And to answer the question more specifically, Eric, I think what makes Josh Heupel happy is how does his quarterback play? What's his decision-making look like, right? I mean, he might throw some some balls that are completed, but it's not to the right. It should have, shouldn't have gone to that receiver. It wasn't the right read or it wasn't the right throw. I don't. We don't know all of that. That's what I'm saying. To make Josh Heupel happy, it's about how clean they were. For example, scrimmage number one, offensively they weren't very good right? The defense won scrimmage one by all accounts and by Josh Heupel's comments, but he was pleased with the operation. Scrimmage two, the offense played better, was more effective, but he wasn't pleased with the operation. So I think it's how you play more so than what your stats look like or your scoreboard number looks like, if you're Josh Heupel. And how many times, Hubs, over the years have you talked to a coach after the game and a kid you know, either didn't have a good game and the coach said, you know, he really played well. 
you know, or a kid you thought, you know, put up a pretty good stat line and he's, yeah, but he ran through the wrong hole three times and we just, the linebacker was in a bad position. You know I mean? Like it, what we see and what they see are two totally different things. Yeah. And there's no, go ahead, Eric, I'm sorry. I was just going to say it's stuff like that, that where you could get away with against a team like Virginia potentially, but again, in two weeks in the swamp, you won't get away with that. So again, you can make a sack or a TFL or whatever um, against lesser competition, but on film, you're still going to get a negative because you you did the wrong thing. Right. And I go back to specific example, Justin Coleman, his senior year at Tennessee, everybody thought all the fans thought Justin Coleman was a very average, average at best football player. Willie Martinez kept saying he does all the little things. He cleans up so many problems you know, he fixes mistakes by others. Nobody appreciates what he's done. He's going to be an NFL guy. Austin, there's not a Tennessee fan thought Justin Coleman was going to the league his senior year, right? I mean, he was a guy who played corner, was very average, moved to the slot nickel. We didn't really know exactly what he was doing. And Justin Coleman's played, what, 10 years in the National Football League? Uh, yeah, something to that effect. So that's the point is that you're right, Austin and, and Eric. There's so many times that we see – wow, great play, or fancy great play, and then you talk to somebody afterwards like, yeah, he missed the hole, or yeah, he went the wrong way on the on the, on the the twist, but he still got there because who he was playing against wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, that, that happens a lot. That's why I say for Josh Heupel, it's not about numbers. I'm not just – I'm not avoiding the question. Josh Heupel will be – he'll be sick to his stomach if his team's not scoring 35, 40 points on Saturday – but to evaluate how well his team played, it's how clean they play, how mentally sound they were on Saturday, more so than just what the scoreboard looks like. And, and I'll kind of end this uh, this conversation with this. Like, I mean, you look at the the line, you know, for, for, for this entire week, it's Tennessee, Tennessee 27 and a half. Um, if Tennessee does not win, if Tennessee doesn't win by 28 points, it does not mean that it was a horrible game. I mean, Tennessee, that's why I hate those lines are so outrageously large. Tennessee could win by 25 points and beat the crap out of Virginia. And, and you couldn't hit that, that, you know, that, that you couldn't cover essentially. But if you play clean and all that, you know, win by 17 points, it's still, you walk away feeling really, really good for week one. Week one is so far from finished product. You're never a finished product, if you will, but week one, you know, and, and broadcasting terms on rivalry Thursday and, 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 you know, football terms, it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, you, you really need to improve from week one to week two. So, um, I'm just, I think we're all just intrigued to see what that looks like on Saturday. Let's go to UTK 2016. Snapping the ball is often taken for granted at the center position. Any worries? We'll see snaps flying over Joe's head with Lane or anybody not named Cooper Mays at center. Austin, that was, that was something that was worrisome during camp. And that's a big reason why Ollie Lane moved down to play center in the first place. Yeah. He was the one guy that could get it back to Joe, um, you know, and, and, you know, do it fairly well. So I mean, I don't think you can just discount anything, especially when you've had a little bit of an upheaval there at the center position. Um, but, you know, Ollie's been the best at, at getting the snap back to Joe, and that's why he is in the position he's in. And Dane Davis has honestly done a nice job of it as well. Um, you know, Dane is an interesting center prospect for me just because he's so tall. I mean, you normally don't see, you know, center prospects that are six foot six. And so, you know, I'll be interested when he goes in the game. And I think he will play Saturday what he looks like at that position. Yeah, low-key, Dane Davis can back up both tackles. He's now the backup center right now. He he's, could play guard if they put him in there. I going to say he's repped at guard some throughout his career in practice. Um, you talk about, and again, I know he's not been a, a normal starter here for Tennessee throughout his career, but 
You talk about NFL guys, backup offensive linemen that have to play every position. No, he's kind of doing that right now here at Tennessee. Awesome. Let's stay with you. Loud noises uh, is gonna gonna make you work for this one. For guys committed elsewhere, how would you rate the following? Three is swinging hard. Two, staying in touch. One is radio silence. Got about ten prospects here. You ready? Three is 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 swinging hard. And Tennessee's working at swinging hard. Two is staying in touch. Okay, one go. is radio silence. Is yep. done. Uh, Fountain. Three. D. Jones. Um, I would go with uh, staying in touch. I don't think, see much happening there, though. Riddell. Uh, radio silence. LeBlanc. Radio silence. Russell. Which Russell is he talking about? I would assume the running back. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say radio silence. Iffy. Uh, in touch. Franklin. In touch. Winery. I think radio silence there. A. Williams. Uh, in touch. A. Jackson. Um, in touch. Bates. In touch. Rushing. I'm going to say radio silence there, too. I mean, I, I, I think there's some contact there, but, I, you know, I think the season's got to play out for Arizona a certain way for him to potentially look around. So with the 12 prospects just, just listed there, none of which Tennessee is quote unquote right now swinging hard. Yeah. Cam Fountain. Cam oh, Fountain. Cam Fountain. Okay. Fountain. I missed that one. And, and uh, I would say Amaris Williams too. Did you say Williams? I'm sorry. Yes. Williams. Amaris Williams. Um, yeah. They would, I would say that they're, they're swinging hard there. I would ca- still probably, ca- I think I categorize it as staying in touch, but Tennessee's swinging hard there right now. They're just kind of staying in touch though. Like it's not, well, the question is, does, does do they get those guys to campus? Is found, yeah. if, I mean, you're swinging hard to try to get them to campus, but it doesn't get real to me with either one of those guys, Austin, until they get on campus. I, I may be wrong, but for that to become a three and you're really swinging to the finish line with that, you got to get them here. You're keeping them in touch. You're calling them, begging, asking them to come to campus. Then it gets real if that happens. That's right. Let's go to Zeusify. Fill in the blank. Tennessee is 5-0, and Brent Hubs, at the end of September, if blank. Uh, if Joe Milton plays well and Tennessee's offensive line solidifies. I don't mean that they have to only play five, but if they if they tighten up things on the offensive line, I know Jerry Mack said on Tuesday that that offensive line has made real strides the last couple of weeks. I want to see what they look like against some competition. I think Virginia is going to present them a really good challenge. Um, this is one of my 10 things I think, I think as a, just a precursor to that, I think it's good. Tennessee's playing a salty Virginia defense with a front seven. That's got some, some, some pop to them. Now I know they're, they're not going to have Chico Bennett, but they're still going to play some games, going to do some different stuff in their experience. That's better than playing two money games against two inferior opponents that you beat up on and you're not sure exactly where you are heading to Florida. This will at least give you a better gauge of what you need to work on. I think this is really good for this offensive line, but those are my two keys. I know I've just ignored the defense, but those are my two keys for this team to being undefeated at the end of September. Austin, if Tennessee's 5-0 and at the end of September, if blank. Uh, it's, it, it's what Hubs just said. It's been my keys the whole offseason. Anytime somebody comes up to me at Home Depot or wherever and says, what do you think? It all depends what you do on at Home Depot. Go plays. And what'd you say? I said, what are you doing at Home Depot? <laughs> not much. I'm not much of a handyman. <laughs> um, but like uh, picking up mulch. Um, 
But like it's it, it all depends on how Joe plays and how the offensive line blocks. You know, if if they hold up, then and Joe plays well, I think the sky can still be the limit for Tennessee this fall. All right, we got two questions here from Rutley for Life. Number one, what are reasonable expectations, Austin? We'll stay with you from McCallum Castles in these first couple of games. Uh, you know, I think you know a handful of catches and um, you know maybe a touchdown. Um, you know, again, I think, you know, they will use him differently than they used Princeton Fant last fall. Um, they're not going to be handing him the ball off. Like, that's not going to be part of his repertoire. But uh, a lot of the uh, the pass-catching stuff he'll do and do, maybe do just as well. And number two, Brent's under Josh Heupel, how much is the OC involved in the in-game play calling? Or does Heupel generally use his OC as the person implementing the game scouting and planning during the week? as the primary responsibility and the buck stops with him on game day. I think it, I, I think it kind of depends. I think that relationship grew with Alex Golish. Obviously he's been that way with Joey Halsley, but maybe more hands-on in terms of play calling this year to begin. And then, and then it just kind of transpired from there. Yeah. I think Golish called it more in year two than he did in year one at Tennessee. Um, now Golish heavily involved in game planning, put a lot of the game plan together for Josh Heupel to review both years but I think, I think Alex Golas called a lot of stuff uh, and kind of ran it. Now, I think Josh Heupel would say, hey, let's get to this, or hey, I, I want to get to this. Or, Is the defense doing that? What are you seeing up there? That type of thing. I, I think I, I think in these first couple of games, I think Joey Halsley's going to have um, – he's going to get to call a good bit, and then we'll see kind of where it's at from there. But there's much more of a – a growth factor here with Joey Halsley as the play caller than there was with Alex Golish last year as the play caller. That's not to say Halsley's not going to call plays or, or can't call plays. It's just that relationship and that comfort level has to continue to grow moving forward. In my opinion, Austin. I, I agree. I, I, you know, and who knows, I mean, until you get into uh, you know, a, a tough ball game or even just a ball game in general, like Saturday or next Saturday against uh, Austin P. You know, who knows what kind of feel he has for the game, you know. Um, he may have an impeccable feel for knowing when to, you know, dial up this or that. And so, you know, I, I think some of it that – we talk about a lot about the unknowns, and I think that's one of the unknowns from the coaching staff standpoint. And I'll say this, too, ha having the unique seat I have on game days at, in Knoxville with the coaching staff to my right, and, and to their credit, they don't put up sheets of papers and they don't put up, they don't put up blinds and all those things. You could see a lot of dialogue between Joey Halsley and, and Alex Golish between series. You know, a lot of just sitting there. So you hear Joey Halsley and you heard Alex Golish a little bit talk about it being a collaborative effort. I do think there's a lot of collaborative things going on in between series. Now, when you get into series, you're calling plays, you're rolling, right? But But I do think in between the series, while the defense is on the field, there, there's a lot of collaboration on the offensive side between the head coach and, and his eyes in the sky, which the last two years has been Golish and, and Joey Halsley. What, what what signal is this when they you know when, when they get that in the box? <laughs> That's Pat Ryan's signal to run the football and run the clock. So let's go home. <laughs> AP, we 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 certainly could hear Alex Golish in the press box, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the one we could hear from like two boxes over. You won't hear Halsley. Won't Halsley won't be that way. So I've, I've been watching uh, Hard Knocks this week with, with the Jets on, on HBO, and um, obviously Robert Sala, head coach, he, he's a defensive guy, okay? But he's got the headset on in these preseason games. He'll be like, you know, when the offense is on the field, he's like, just, just a suggestion. Let's do this. Wouldn't it be great if you did this? Do this. 
run whatever you want. I'm just from the peanut gallery. I like to see this. You know, it's it's way more than that. If it is Golish and or Halsey or whoever Calm plays, Heupel's not just saying if you want to, it's do that. I mean, it's way more hands-on if he's not calling the plays. He's not putting that play sheet over his mouth talking about what the weather's like or, <laughs> you know, how things are going for everybody. I mean, he, he is certainly involved, heavily involved in there. By the way, for the Jets head coach, just you have no peanut gallery say. Your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to call whatever he wants to call. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about that. Hey, we got plenty more questions to get into. Uh, a big thanks, as always, Exterior Home Solutions for – uh, being a part of our coverage here at VolQuest.com, it's been a great partnership, and let them help you. A word from our friends and what they're doing at Exterior Home Solutions. Exterior Home Solutions will make one family's dream come true. Do you know a family in need of a new roof? Maybe it's leaking or needs repaired. Whatever the needs may be, Exterior Home Solutions is going to give one lucky family an Exterior Home Makeover. To nominate a family that you think is deserving, simply go to the website at exteriorhomesolutions.com slash makeover, and you can make your nomination there. Exterior Home Solutions wants to give the gift of home to one lucky family. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Awesome stuff there from Exterior Home Solution. Again, that ends October the 1st, so uh, nominated deserving family before October the 1st at exteriorhomesolutions.com slash makeover. All right, let's roll right along here. Let's go to Rocky Top Boy. Uh, one of the greatest skills that Hendon Hooker had was uh, the ability to turn a potential sack into a 20- or 50-yard run. How has the coaching staff taught, pushed, and encouraged Joe to grow in this area? Do you see improvement there from Joe? Uh, do you think we'll see other options from Joe, like dumping down to the running back instead of running the football? You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's one of the things. I don't know how many called runs they're going to have. They they called several runs specifically for Joe in, in the bowl game. Um, but, you know, I don't think Joe has the elusiveness that, that Hendon Hooker has. So maybe there is Austin more dump downs. I, I don't know how they're going to do that. I, I'm not sure Joe can run on design runs. I'm not sure he has the escapability um, that – that Hendon has because I think Joe's a little more takes him a minute or a little bit longer to get going, you know, in, in terms of, I don't think he's got some of the quick twitch that Hendon hooker out of the elusiveness that hooker has, but we'll see. He may prove me wrong throughout the season. I think a lot of it just boils down to want to, I mean, you know, I think when, when Joe wants to make a play with his legs, he's certainly capable. Uh, I think in certain ways he shied away from that two years ago. I think, you know, when he came in in relief last year, he had a couple of really nice design runs, um, you know, that they called for him um, as the backup. Now, once he became the starter, Tennessee had no depth at the quarterback spot. They're like, just don't get injured. Don't 
don't try any of that stuff. And so I'm interested to see how they do use him in some ways and then how he can create when things break down in others. All right, let's go to Peyton Manning's doppelganger. Throughout the offseason, a lot of hope and expectation was placed on these freshman defensive backs like Mike Matthews, Ricky Gibson, Christian Conyer. Those guys didn't make the final or the initial too deep. Are they a long way away from making impactful contributions on defense or um, anything outside of uh, injury related stuff there, Austin Price? I think more than anything, you look at, at, you know, where Jordan Matthews is and where Ricky Gibson is and where Christian Conyer is. They're coming along really nicely. They had a really nice fall camp. I think they'll play some this year. Um, and, and I think maybe, you know, Ricky Gibson probably being the first off the board to get in a, into a game in meaningful snaps. Um, you know, but I still think that right now they're going to lean on the veterans because they do feel like, you know, Kamal Haddon's grown this offseason. He had a really nice spring, had a nice summer. has been a bit dinged up at the back end of fall camp, and we'll see how much he can go Saturday. But, I, you know, he's – he is, uh, you know, someone who's grown. They love what Gabe Judy Lally has brought. They love the growth in Danico Slaughter having now bought into playing corner. So there's not as much urgency to get those freshmen on the field right away, Brent. And and I think that's probably a good thing. But those guys are pushing, and and they're they're not just sitting idly by and going, well, we're not going to play this year. Oh well, we'll just kind of go ho hum. They're pushing. Well, I mean, the, the story here is is the fact that Kamal Haddon's on the team. I mean, when those yeah. guys signed, a lot of people thought Kamal Haddon wouldn't even be a part of this program. Uh, and then he goes out and has a really good spring and finishes the spring as the number one corner um, on the board for Tennessee and, and has built off that all summer long. And then, as you mentioned, Danico Slaughter stepping in. So, Eric, I, I think it's more about what those guys have done than it is those freshmen aren't ready. I mean, the good news for Tennessee is they're not handing out starting spots when they give out pads. That's my saying, and I'm going to stick with it at that position. And that's a credit to the veterans, not a knock on the newcomers to me. I would agree. And credit to the veterans for, for putting them in, in that position. But also if it holds up that way, week five, week six, week seven of the season, you still hope those freshmen are, are, are still pushing and, and not sitting idly by because a season's a long time. And if you're not playing, a lot of times you can get complacent and contempt. You hope that those trio of freshman corners continue to push and push and push because they're going to play a whole lot as sophomores for sure. Uh, a couple other ones here from Athron. Speaking of freshmen, uh, Brent, we'll stay with you. Freshman that makes the most noise on Saturday. Oh, aren't we all going to say Arian Carter, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that the guy everybody's talking about? I, I might throw a Cam Seldon in there. I, I think I think people are going to have some buzz about Cam Seldon. It, it's, it, it's, for fans, it's about who makes the highlight reel, right? It's never who you think it's going to be. Like, no. anytime these, you try to make these predictions – Oh, yeah, this guy's going to have a huge impact Saturday, and then he barely won. <laughs> the only one we can count on is picking a Jancic for the spring game because that dude balls out every spring <laughs> for a spring game. Uh, Austin Price, how good is Caleb Beasley? He's just balling on national television. Just, I mean, he's a playmaker. I mean, again, he's got 19 defensive touchdowns. 19. I think getting one or two defensive touchdowns is fabulous. He's got 19 defensive touchdowns in his high school career. That's wild. And, um, you know, I, I just think that the guy just makes plays and always around the ball, instinctive, uh, has good length, good size, good speed, um, and can play multiple spots in the secondary. One last one here. Bigger story on Saturday, Brent Hubbs. Joe looks amazing or the defense is looking good? Well, for me, it's the it's the defense. I'm going to be more interested in what the defense does on Saturday because, look, it's not fair to Joe 
I'm going to give Joe all the credit in the world if he plays well on Saturday against Virginia. But, but what are we all going to say? You got to do it back to back weeks. You got to do yep. it multiple weeks in a row. Let's see you against hostile environment. I mean, Joe's going to, there, there's going to always be a, a little bit of a butt with Joe until you get into conference play and road games and that kind of stuff. But defensively, you know, this is a defense that a year ago in the opener didn't have a sack. I think they had one and a half tackles for loss a year ago in the opener. We all were like, oh, my goodness, this defense. And this goes back to what Austin was saying earlier about judgment. And or you were saying, Eric, earlier about judgment of openers. Oh, they can't get to the quarterback. They're not very good. And then all they did to go with the next week to pit, I think they had four sacks and 12 tackles for loss. Right. And you're like, no. wait a minute, what, what happened here? So I don't think you pass too much judgment in the opener, but for me, I'm more intrigued to see what this defense looks like with all these extra bodies they say they're going to play and all the new bodies that they're going to play in. I mean, what what's Omar Norman Lott really look like in a game? What what about Keenan Peely? Um, you know, and and some of these guys. I, I I'm I'm probably going to be talking about that. The national media will be more about Joe Statline if he plays well. We'll move on to UT Clause Five. Austin, this is a good question for you. Why hasn't every state in the SEC uh, put in legislation like Missouri so you can pay kids early to help get those in-state kids. Well, I think, uh, you know, I don't, if you're Tennessee, I don't think you want that law passing across the board because I think it makes it harder to pull kids out of Georgia, pull kids out of Alabama, pull kids out of, you know, North Carolina, wherever. Um, you know, and, and I, I, can I see it changing here? Sure. Um, you know, there's been some talk about it. But, you know, again, do we really want to get to that point where, you know, a bunch of money is going to high school kids. I mean, don't, trust me, I, I get it. You know, I mean, like, you know, Tennessee did it, you know, Tennessee's collective did a deal with Nico when he was a senior in high school, right? Like, it, that's, that's, so it's hypocritical to say otherwise. But, like, at the same time, like, I don't think you want to get into where you're doing 10 or 12 of those, you know, a year. You know, I just think that that's, you know, uh, I think that's, again, where this sport is taking a bit of a hit. You know, I, there's some there's not enough guardrails and it's a bit of a free for all. And, you know, I just think if you can, if you can clean some stuff up, the kids still get paid. It's less of a, a circus and, you know, everybody wins in that scenario, in my opinion. Brent or no, awesome. Let's stay with you on this one. Another one from Indy Vol lady um, or a new one from Indy Vol lady fast forward five years in the future. What do you think will be considered a better recruiting win in terms of overall value added to the team? A&M getting Walter Nolan or Tennessee landing Bennett Warren out of Texas. I don't know. Uh, you know, we don't know because Bennett Warren hadn't set foot on campus. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, it, it's really positioned of need. I mean, I think Tennessee's defensive line is is really good right now. Could they use a Walter Nolan? Sure. Tennessee's offensive line, Hubbard, needs Bennett Warren way more than Tennessee's defensive line needed Walter Nolan. So I, I think it's more just you know needs. Yeah, there's so much there's so much in there that you have no idea about, right? You, you just don't know how anybody's going to adapt when they get to college, right? Um, is it a good thing that somebody's going away from home? Is it a bad thing that they're going away? I mean, there's just so many variables in there that it, it, you, there's no black and white answer to that question is the problem because you just don't know, um, you know, you don't know injury. You don't know – you just don't know all kinds of things that go goes in place there. I'm with Austin. Bigger need? Tennessee needs tackles, offensive tackles. And that's why that's why Warren was so important for Tennessee. 
once every couple of weeks when we do this podcast it dawns on me that i'm just straight copying and pasting and i don't read a certain screen name i'm not saying that screen name it's funny but i'm not saying it uh the question is best coach to talk to with the cameras off uh who are some of the the best coaches that have you know best personalities you guys get along with the best um you know away from a microphone and the lights and the media setting is you talking about in, on this staff or in general in 30 years probably this staff but you can make it your own go ahead um, make it your own buddy well i mean I, I i've said this before i mean i learned more football from david cutcliffe than probably anybody um justin wilcox was absolutely fantastic to visit with off camera um just kind of talking ball and and he loved to talk and loved to talk in very layman's terms that you could understand he's a guy that you could learn a lot of things from really impressive um on this staff it's no secret i mean rodney and i've known each other since 97 so um i mean you know rodney's kids are grown and i remember when they were born um so you know there's there's a relationship there beyond football that is fun to do with i really like talking with alex goldish off camera when he was here i thought he was informative and, and everything and i mean i think in general austin this is a i mean there's a lot of good guys on the staff right now i mean brian jean marie Jerry Mack, you can go Willie Martinez on and on and on. There, this is a, this is a staff that's got good personality and, and um, it's good to have conversations with. Yeah, I mean, you know, BJ, Jerry Mack, two of my favorites. Uh, Rodney, um, just kind of hearing him, uh, you know, when you hear him talk just off the record and just, just you know, chewing the fat, like it, it's it's fantastic. Um, you know, nothing beats the 2 a.m. phone calls from Chuck Smith, though, back in the day. Those were the best. Those were the best. Oh, uh, at the bus stop. Got a couple more here. Um, who all is visiting for Austin P? AP right now still just one official visitor in Chris Cole? Chris Cole, that's correct. Okay, and then how many scores before we see Nico play? I don't know. I mean, like, nobody knows. I mean, like – I think, you know, Tennessee has a comfortable lead midway through the third quarter, and I'd say you'll see Nico. All right. Got a couple more here. We'll we'll try to get them all before we call quits here on the mailbag edition of the show. Rocky Top T, if the Tennessee, if the defense has a good game, I wouldn't put too much stock in it because of Virginia's offense. Do you guys agree? Kind of talked about this earlier, Brand. It's, it's how you play offensively. How clean are you? Penalties, all that type of stuff. Um same with defense as well. It's it's not necessarily the score. It's kind of how you you go. UBU. It's it's kind of how you you go about being yourself, right? Well, it's, I mean, defensively, there's a couple specific things we're all gonna be watching, right? How do you play third and long? Do they trust their four man pass rush? Do they play tighter coverage? How do they how do they play third and long? That's obviously a huge area of growth for this team defensively that needs to take place. Much like last year, offensively, what were we looking for early? How were they in short yardage situations? Because they weren't very good in short yardage the year before. So I, I think when you go into openers, you're looking for at a couple of specific things, you know, on each side of the ball where you're looking to see what kind of improvement guys have made in the offseason, whether it's in a play of an individual or whether it's the play of a uh, of an entire defense or one position group, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that those are what you're looking for on, on Saturday. For me, defensively, I want to see can they rush, can they get off the edge? Uh, who's going to take some of Byron Young's production? Is that Pierce? Where's Joshua Joseph? Where, where's Caleb Herring? Roman Harrison? I mean, what does that look like? I think is as big of a storyline defensively as anything. And third and obvious pass situations, particularly when you're going against an offensive line, Austin, that's replacing four of their five starters in Virginia. Yeah, uh, you know, I, 
we saw Roman Harrison. We saw Josh Joseph some last year. I'm interested to see James Pierce in like, you know, regular playing time, not garbage time, you know? And so um, I, I think Roman Harrison's had a really good fall camp. I think you'll see him a lot early and then we'll see who they, uh, they bring in after that. I would venture to say it's going to be James Pierce though. NWGA Vol um, wants to know only play we saw or one play we saw a lot with Hendon Hooker was wide receiver screens. Uh, do we see a lot? Do we see that play a lot with Joe Milton, the quarterback? Austin, I, I think 100%. Both years, they have attacked the perimeter early in some football games. They teeter that line of, uh, and they get flagged for it a lot because if the ball is thrown behind the line of scrimmage, you can block. You, you can, when you're running tandems out there, the, the Cedric Tillman can go and blow the corner off the ball. They're going to attack the perimeter because they have guys that they want to get the ball in space, and they got some speed guys that can take it to the house. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's about getting the ball to your playmakers and getting it out there and let them do what they do. Um, you always say you be you, let them be, let them do what they do. Um, more importantly, <laughs> more importantly, Kane, NWGA ball. What's that stand for? I don't know. What's it stand for? Northwest Georgia. Okay, that makes sense. Some of these other uh, acronyms I, I get, but I, I've never really got that one. But Northwest Georgia makes sense. Um, it, it, it kind of on that note too. It's interesting because like Javante Payton was a speed guy. Cedric Tillman was a guy that you, you or Bayless Jones was a guy that you wanted to get the ball in his hands and, and just watch him go to work like a pinball. Brew McCoy is kind of like that on this offense. Romel Keaton's a speed guy. Um, there's some other speed guys as well. So these receivers have different strengths that they can use in the screen game as well. And well, I, I and just think it makes the rooms that much deeper, Brent. Yeah, and you're going to do things. You know, what's the defense dictating? You know, what are you going to take what the defense gives you? You know, I mean, how are they going to line up and play you? What what's their what's their tendencies? You know, what do they like to do? I mean, sometimes some of that stuff is a setup play, right? You run you run that you run that screen to to set up the switch route. Ask Kentucky, right? Yep. I mean, what happened two years ago up there when when that took place? And they came back and run something similar, little variation of it to open the game last year, and they get a wide open Jalen Hyatt, which you're sitting there going, "How in the world do you turn that guy loose?" So, Linebacker had him. That's why. Yeah, part of that's a little bit how you what, what kind of matchups you get, um, and and that's why there's so much check with me at the line of scrimmage and and things going on there because they're you know they're going to adjust and do things they've got to answer to what you've got um they're going to try to make you do some things because of the way that they they spread it out i mean tony elliott talked about it this week i mean that they they take so many of your defensive rules out of play because of their splits their tempo and what they do and that's why teams in two years have had a hard time figuring out how to defend tennessee that's why nobody's got as he Schuler said on the rocky top rewind it's not a it's not a gimmick, Eric, you know, and that's why nobody's been able to crack the code to, to solving the riddle of stopping this offense, not just at Tennessee, but when they were at UCF and when they were at Missouri and Oklahoma. I just love, um, we're just, we're, we're football nerds, you and I in particular, and I, I just love watching the tape, you know, year to year, but week to week to week and just seeing the different wrinkles that are thrown in there. Oh, you weren't good with this the first couple weeks of the season. Let's attack that specific situation offensively, and how can we be better? And, and you see that with Josh Heupel, or at least I have, the first two years as the season goes along, and uh, it's always keeping the defenses on their toes. Well, and they play to their they play to their personnel, Austin, yes. as well as any coaching staff that's come through, right? How they how they threw the ball to the slot receiver when it was Valus Jones, 
versus how they use the slot receiver when it's Jalen Hyatt. Great point. We're, we're dramatically different. I mean, it looked like two different offenses out there in terms of just what they specifically did with the slot receiver. So they do a really good job of playing to their personnel strengths uh, and and kind of manipulating the offense into those strengths. That's what's fun to watch about this team. Yeah, one would imagine that you'll see them use Dante Thornton and Squirrel White similarly to how they use Jalen Hyatt because those 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 body types are more similar than than what you saw with Bayless, who was more compact, more you know yards after the contact kind of guy who could still fly though too. That's why he was such a unique prospect. He looked like a running back, ran like a wide receiver. Um, uh, he, he was fun to watch. Two more questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ball underscore nation three. Are they going to do anything pregame to remember the Virginia school shooting? Yes. Um, Josh Hopple made mention of that uh, earlier this week. Moment of silence before kickoff and Tennessee is going to wear the decals of the three players who lost their lives. So that's kind of at least some of what's uh, going to be happening here. And last question goes to Sam Smith, 2233. Is Virginia Tennessee's third best non-conference opponent, Austin? No, no, I wouldn't. I would put them second behind UTSA. Brent? Yeah, I, I would, I would, that's the direction I would go is I think they're, I've not, I've not taken a look at Connecticut, right? It yeah, is Connecticut, right? It is Connecticut. Um, Live in the moment, guys. Don't get too far ahead of yourselves, right? Um, one, I, I would, one game at a time. I would take I would take uh, Virginia over uh, the fight in Jim Moore Juniors, right? And, and he's still the coach at UConn at this he point. Is. Yes. Um, I think I would take Virginia right now. Although we, you know, this is a very different Virginia team. Um, I, I think UTSA is for sure um, the best non-conference team that Tennessee's playing this year. Yep, I'd agree with that. Great questions, as always. Thanks so much for sending them in at um, VolQuest underscore on three, the mailbag uh, thread on the General's Quarters. Appreciate that, as always. If you're listening and you're not a member of uh, with us over at VolQuest.com, we have a kickoff sale happening right now. It's limited time offer just for this week, so go ahead and take advantage of it. If you're not a member, it's half off your first year, or you can do $1 for one month. Uh, test us out over here at VolQuest.com. But awesome price. The standard in Tennessee football, Tennessee recruiting, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. Uh, nobody does it like us over at VolQuest.com. Isn't that right? That's right. That's why we're the standard, baby. Standard. As always, that big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for making all this podcasting coverage possible. For a free estimate, give them a call today at 865-524-5888. And uh, you can nominate a family, a deserving family, for a New roof with Exterior Home Solutions at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com slash makeover. That ends on October the 1st, so go ahead and nominate a family of your choosing. For Awesome Prize, Sprint Hubs, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys, as always, for tuning in to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast here at BallQuest.com. You've been listening to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on BallQuest.